Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as he was watching, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we thank you for your word, for the guidance that we find there, for the path that leads to relationship with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Can you just imagine what it would be like to spend 40 days with Jesus? You know, as we look throughout the scriptures, there are many references to 40 days. 40 days and nights of rain. Moses stayed on the mountain for 40 days. The scouts were sent to scout out the land of Canaan for 40 days. Moses prayed for 40 days without eating or drinking. Goliath gave his challenges every morning and every evening for 40 days. Elijah walked 40 days. Jonah warned the people of Nineveh for 40 days that they would be destroyed if they did not change their life. Jesus himself was in the wilderness for 40 days. And now the disciples 
have their opportunity of spending 40 days with Jesus after his resurrection. Now, all of these accounts of 40 days in the scriptures are significant. Every single one of them are life-changing events for the people that were involved. But I can't imagine any of them being any more special than spending time with Jesus as those who were chosen to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them. For those that were chosen to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. But even after all of this quality time with Jesus, we hear the disciples ask the question in verse 6. Lord, is this the time that you are going to restore us back to our rightful place? Now, i got to be honest. I find myself being just a little bit judgmental of these disciples. I mean, when are they going to get it? <laughs> They've just spent 40 days plus three years walking and talking and listening to Jesus. And they don't seem to get the message that they are the ones that were chosen to carry God's message even into places where there will be hostility and negativity. And as I am thinking those lofty judgmental thoughts about those disciples, Way back in my conscience somewhere, there is a little whisper of the voice that says to me, when are you going to get it? When are you going to get it? The reality is, most likely, we never get it either. We are constantly making God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit into persons that we fashion after our own design. We put them into shapes that we think they should be. People are always, always talking about talking to God and asking God to do their bidding. God, would you please do this? God, would you go there? God, would you do this? God, please do that. But how often do we sit in his presence and simply thank him for who he is, and what he does, 
and the direction that he has for us to go in. And I'm not pointing fingers here because I would have to be pointing right back to myself. I find that I do those very same things. And as hard as I've tried for the last 64 years, I have not yet gotten over the fact that I am human. <laughs> I am human. And as great of an opportunity that the disciples had in that 40 days, they were just human. They were just being who they were. I would love to think that that light bulb would just click on in my head sometimes and, and I would just be able to go about my merry way. But I know my stubborn self a little better than that. And it's probably going to be a lifetime journey. So what is it that these humans are to be about now that they've spent that 40 days with Jesus? Now, if you were a preacher, you would probably quote the passage from Matthew about going ye into all the world to make disciples. But here in Acts, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, those disciples, those followers, faced cultures very different from their own, very different from our own. And we will never, ever have a true sense of what they faced in their day. But Jesus is sending them back to the communities where they came from. He's sending them back to be a witness for him among those who would eventually kick them out, torture them, even put them to death. They were to be witnesses even to those who hated them. Witnesses that would travel to the ends of the earth. We are part of that same message that Jesus spoke to his disciples. But I can't tell you how many times in a week or a month or a year I hear comments that sound like, I, I, I just don't know how to talk about God outside of the church. Are you guilty? I don't know what to say. In church, we all speak the same language. But out in the world, they don't like it. They don't like it. 
Then there's those who like it so well that they take upon themselves to tell others exactly what they must do, exactly how to do it, and if they don't, they're failures. It's amazing to me how quickly we take on the work as God, not with God. Those Christ followers in that post-resurrection period we're not going to be these little gods running around everywhere and then climbing up on their thrones to direct from their high spots. They are going back into their world. They are going to be human beings, all with different messages, because each and every one of us is different with our experience with Christ. My story is not your story. Your story is not his story. All of our stories are different, pointing to the same God and led by the same Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus talks about being baptized by the Holy Spirit. I don't think he's looking for a baptismal bowl or a baptismal font or even a river or creek to go be baptized in. He's not talking about being sprinkled or poured or even being immersed. Jesus was telling the disciples and other followers as well that they were going to be bathed, bathed in the Spirit, bathed in God's Holy Spirit. I am confident that the same message that Jesus had for his disciples then is the same message that he has for us today. And I'm real sure sometimes that my church folks get tired of hearing me say that all any of us have to offer is our own testimony, our own stories about what Jesus has done in our life. And that is the beginning of our witness. Not the end, but the beginning of our witness to the world, to those places like Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I want to ask you, when was the last time that you witnessed to someone? What were your words? Did you scramble for scripture? 
Did you share Jesus' story? That's a huge part of your witness. But the critical part to your witness, the part that someone who doesn't know the Jesus that you know, is when you begin to share with them what Christ did in your life. Because maybe, just maybe, something about your story touches a chord for them. And they realize that maybe if God can do that for them, he could do it for them. Your personal story is important. It's your story that no one else can tell. And you never know how or where the Holy Spirit is going to use that. And when we share our stories and we share that hope with someone else who is also only a human being, we are being Christ's witness to the world. There is a long list of men, women, and even children who have found a relationship with Jesus Christ through their struggles. Alcoholics Anonymous was founded by a man who found God through his struggles. And I'm sure we all know those who have those powerful testimonies of how God came to them in their time of need, in their time of struggle. But there is just as long a list of people who came into a relationship with Christ slowly, across a lifetime, who, as they grew in their faith, grew closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And that is what I believe Jesus was talking about with his disciples. There are those times in the course of your everyday living, whether it's going to work or to class, whether you're going to bunko or cards, whatever you do in the course of your day, the movement of the Holy Spirit is going with you. And you never know when a word or a smile, a phone call, is going to be just the thing that the Holy Spirit uses to witness to someone else. Sometimes 
It's when I'm in conversation that I can feel the Holy Spirit moving in my life. Sometimes it's in a teaching time. Sometimes, I'd like to say every week, through my preaching, I feel the Holy Spirit moving. But you know what? Most days, most days when I recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit for me, it's in one of those times when I'm at a loss for words. And I don't have a clue what to say or how to say it or how to react. But God does. And so I open my mouth, and out comes God. And it happens in those little glimpses. Little glimpses. And it doesn't happen for the whole great big world. It happens in my world. My everyday world. That I get to see glimpses of the Holy Spirit at work. But for that to happen, we have to keep ourselves open. Open for that gift of the Holy Spirit. We have to be still enough. And I know I'm one of those persons that finds it hard to be still. But you have to be quiet enough, silent enough, if you want more in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to be open for it. So this morning, if you're brave enough, if you're committed enough, and if you desire it enough, I want you to pray with me our closing prayer this morning. Join me as we pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, Grant that by that same Holy Spirit, we may be truly wise and ever enjoy the